This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Roseman. Hello out there in American Family Radio land. Welcome to another episode Hopefully exciting, informative, and maybe even a little humorous of Because I Said So with your host, John Roseman. That would be me. If you want to uh, find out more about me, my ministry, to parents, families, please go to John Rosemond, J-O-H-N-R-O-S-E-M-O-N-D dot com. But in brief, I am a family psychologist in that regard, a heretic, an outlier, persona non grata to many in my field, and proud of it, as a matter of fact. I don't believe in psychology. I think psychology has caused more problems for the American family than psychologists even know how to solve. Psychology is a secular religion that you believe in by faith. There is no such thing as a Christian psychologist. These are opposing worldviews, folks, and people who call themselves Christian psychologists are kidding themselves and kidding other people, whether wittingly or unwittingly. Unfortunately, the church has gotten itself involved with psychology over the past few decades and has been considerably weakened as a consequence to live a good, moral, proper, upstanding, satisfying, responsible life. All you need is God's word. You do not need Freud. You do not need Carl Rogers. You do not need B.F. Skinner. You do not need Jung. You do not need any psychological therapy or theory system. Psychology will not save you, period. So I'm also the author of, uh, depending on how you count them, if you count uh, reissues, uh, updates, uh, rewrites, uh, things like that, I've written about 20 books on uh, children, parenting, family issues. I write a nationally syndicated newspaper column that appears weekly in about 250 newspapers around the country. Maybe it appears in your local newspaper and you don't even know because hardly anybody reads the paper paper anymore. But if you don't read the paper paper or it doesn't, uh, my column doesn't appear in your local paper, you can see it, read it on my website, johnroseman.com. Through the year, primarily during the school year, primarily, I would say mid-August through mid-May, I am a public speaker crisscrossing the United States, speaking primarily in churches, Christian schools, but even secular environments on the issue of how to raise children properly. I'm not a progressive in that regard. I am a biblical traditionalist. So anyway, welcome to the show. Hope you enjoy it. Hope you learn something from it. A few weeks ago, speaking of my newspaper column, I introduced my 
readers to what I call upside down, inside out, and turned around backward parent view disorder. The column is, by the way, currently posted on my website. The symptoms of this ubiquitous malady include pervasive and persistent parenting stress. That is, in fact, the primary symptom, parenting stress, constant worry, anxiety, guilt, anger, resentment, and then because of the anger and resentment, even more guilt. When all is said and done, these poor souls who seem to be these days, and uh, especially in the female parent community, more the rule than the exception. But that is not to say that this malady does not affect men as well. But uh, these poor souls, these poor, stressed-out, worrisome, anxiety-ridden, guilt-ridden, often angry, resentful parents are in a state of never-ending confusion over the question, who's in charge around here? Who's in charge around here? Many of the folks who suffer from upside-down, inside-out, and turned-around backward parent-view disorder are in denial. They are clueless in the vernacular. So, to help these suffering souls, maybe you self-identify, I'm rolling out the Am I or Am I Not a Raving Parenting Lunatic Scientific Rating Scale. That's right. Once again, it's the Am I or Am I Not a Raving Parenting Lunatic Scientific Rating Scale. Here's how it works. I am going to make a statement, and there are 20 of these statements in this very scientific rating scale. I'm going to make a statement, and you, the listener, answer either true or false. Now, if you want to get a piece of paper and a pencil or a pen, that might help. But I make a statement, and the statement pertains to your parenting attitude, your parenting point of view, as I call it, your parent view, and you answer either true or false. And when we're done with these 20 statements, these 20 true false statements, I'll tell you how you did. Don't, uh, by the way, don't think too much about any given statement, any given answer to any given statement. Just go with your initial inclination, okay? Here is statement number one. I think more about my children than I think about just about anything else. I think more about my children than I think about anything else. True, false. Here's uh, statement number two. I believe parents should pay as much attention to their children as they possibly can. I believe parents should pay as much attention to their children as they possibly can. Let me talk just for a second about statements one and two. I'm a member of the last generation of American children who were no big deal. Today's children, by contrast, the overwhelming majority of them are a big deal. And I believe that it is a blessing when you are a child to be no big deal, to be loved, to be properly cared for, 
by parents who would make the supreme sacrifice on your behalf, but you are no big deal. I, in fact, think it is a burden on a child to be a big deal. The child does not realize, the child in question does not realize what a burden it is to be a big deal. But nonetheless, being a big deal is an albatross around a child's neck. So as you've already probably figured out, a lot of these statements pertain to the overarching issue of whether or not your child, in your eyes, is a big deal. So here's statement number three. I want to be involved in every aspect of my kids' lives. Involved. That's a new parenting word, a progressive parenting word. Uh, By the way, it's a post-1970s parenting word, parent involvement. Uh, My parents were not involved with me. Today's parents are involved. They're involved in their children's social lives. They're involved in their children's academic lives. They're involved in their children's after-school activities. They're involved in everything. And the impression post-1970s has been created that the best parent is that parent who is the most involved. Well, by contrast, folks, uh, it, it was my job, and I speak for most of the children, the overwhelming majority of children in my generation, the 1950s is when we grew up, uh, it was our job to keep our parents from getting involved. That was your job. And if you kept your parents from getting involved, you enjoyed a tremendous amount of freedom. Today's children, they don't enjoy any freedom. They're, they're micromanaged from the moment they wake up until they close their eyes and go to sleep at night. It's, it's this constant parent hovering I used to call it helicopter parenting. I was the guy who invented the term, by the way. It's no longer helicopter parent. It's Cuisinart parenting. It's the parent that's blended into the child's life. So forget helicopter parenting. That, that ended about 20 years ago. It's now Cuisinart parenting. Uh, so going back to uh, keeping your parents from getting involved, How did you keep your parents from getting involved? You did the right thing. You did the right thing at school. You did the right thing in the neighborhood. You did the right thing when you were playing with other children. You did your chores without being reminded. Uh, You did them properly the first time. You didn't have to be told to go back and do them again. You were respectful, responsible. You solved your own problems. And this is why, folks... My generation emancipated, most of us, by the time we were 21. In fact, in 1970, when I was 22 years old, 23 years old, depending on the month, the average age of male emancipation in America was between the 20th and 21st birthdays. Well, I was married when I was 20. I was supporting a family by the time I was 21 a wife and a child. I did not look to my parents and I did not look to the government, thank you, to uh, help me support my wife and support my child. I did it. And I did it largely because I had learned, courtesy of my parents, 
when I was growing up, how to be a responsible human being. So anyway, we'll be back with this Am I or Am I Not a Raving Parenting Lunatic Scientific Rating Scale right after this break. This is Because I Said So with your host, John Roseman. Hope you stay with us. We'll be back in just a few. Welcome back to the show. Once again, if you're just joining us, well, not once again if you're just joining us, but if you're just joining us, the show is called Because I Said So. I'm your host, John Roseman. You can go to johnrosemond.com and find out more about me and my ministry to families. So what I'm doing is going through a 20-question or statement very highly scientific uh, rating scale. It's called the Am I or Am I Not a Raving Parenting Lunatic Scientific Rating Scale. And as I explained before I started through the 20 statements, I make a statement, you simply write down true or false on a piece of paper. Or if you're driving in your car, just keep track of it in your head. You know, okay, that's two truths. And all you have to do is keep track of the trues, by the way, just the trues, the number of trues out of 20 statements. The first three to review, I think more about my children than I think about anything else. That's statement number one. Statement two is I believe parents should pay as much attention to their children as they possibly can. And statement number three is I want to be involved in every aspect of my kids' lives. By the way, pertaining to statement number two, I believe parents should pay as much attention to their children as they possibly can. That's why parents are having difficulty these days getting children to pay attention to them. Because by the time a child is three years old, he has figured out that it's either his job to pay attention or his parents' job to pay attention to him. And I'm a member of the last generation of American children who understood by the time we were three years old that it was our job to pay attention to our parents. So statement number four, my relationships with my children are the most important relationships in my life. Statement number five, I want my children to like me. My parents didn't care if I liked them or not. (laughs) I didn't care if my kids liked me or not. (laughs) I loved my children more than they could conceive of. Folks, if you are a responsible parent, you are willing, and I sort of alluded to this earlier, You are willing to make the supreme sacrifice for your child. And by the way, your child is not willing to make the supreme sacrifice for you. Ponder that for a moment. You are the superior being in the relationship. Therefore, you do not need your children's approval. But anyway, statement number five, I want my children to like me, true or false. Statement number six. When a decision of mine upsets one of my children, 
I usually second-guess myself. When a decision of mine upsets one of my children, I usually second-guess myself. Do you do that? You make a decision, your child begins to throw a fit, and you actually ask yourself, wow, maybe I didn't make the right decision. Should I change my mind? A lot of parents do this. I mean, I, you know, I will tell you, I speak from experience that early on before I got both feet, parenting feet solidly on the ground, uh, I did that. Uh, I thought that my children's, uh, my children being upset at decisions I made meant that maybe I hadn't made the right decision. Statement number seven. It's a parent's responsibility to help a child get good grades in school. It's a parent's responsibility to help a child get good grades in school. Yeah, uh, that's modern parenting for you. My parents uh, didn't help me get good grades in school, and uh, which is why, by the way, my generation in school outperformed today's kids when matched demographically. We outperformed today's kids at every single grade level. We came to first grade, most of us, not knowing our ABCs. Our parents did not ruin our preschool years with flashcard drills. We came to first grade not knowing our ABCs, And by the end of first grade, we were reading at a higher level than today's kids. And folks, my first grade class consisted of 50, five zero children and one teacher. And that was not uncommon. How do we do that? Well, we came to school having already learned to pay attention to and do what a woman told us to do. Because your mother was calmly, generally speaking, calmly fierce in her authority over you. She made it clear from the moment your brain woke up and you realized you were a person, she made it clear she was running the show. You were an actor in her show. And by the way, in that regard, our mental health, statistically, 10 times better than today's kids. Kids need authority in their lives. Okay, statement number eight, bullying. Is anything done to my child by another child that upsets my child? Bullying is anything done to my child by another child that upsets my child. Statement number nine, other adults often fail to understand and treat my child properly. We're talking here, folks, about uh, why today's college students need safe spaces and talk about microaggressions and complain if their professors assign Huckleberry Finn as a reading assignment. Statement number 10, when my child feels upset, I feel upset as well. That is... A definition, if you answered true, that is a definition of codependency, that there is no emotional boundary between yourself and your child. This is a tragic thing in today's parenting environment in the United States of America, and it is especially 
true of mothers that there is no emotional boundary between the child and his mother. What the child feels, the mother feels. What the child experiences, the mother experiences. The child fails at something, the mother feels she has failed. Uh, The child gets upset about something, the mother gets upset about the same thing. The presence of an emotional boundary between parent and child is essential to the child developing good mental health. Statement number 11, I usually finish an instruction to my child with the word, okay? Honey, you could help mommy out by picking up your toys, okay? Statement number 12, one of my children is very argumentative. Why are children argumentative? Because their parents explain themselves. When you explain yourself, you invite an argument. The child grabs a hold of the explanation and begins to shake it, trying to uh, find the weakness in it, the loophole, if you will. And I know I'm, I'm mixing my metaphors here, but you get the point. So statement number 12, one of my children is very argumentative. Statement 13, one of my children seems to be very needy of my attention. Why is that? Because you're giving him too much attention to begin with. Statement number 14, one of my children often interrupts me when I'm talking to someone else. Statement number 15, raising a child is the hardest thing I've ever done. Statement 16, worrying about one or another of my kids causes me frequent sleep deprivation. Statement number 17, one of my children is very demanding and disrespectful. Why? Because you give him entirely too much. You give him him too much attention. You give him too many things. You act like he's a big deal. And he believes that in the relationship, he's the big deal. And therefore, he is ungrateful, demanding, and disrespectful of you. You know, my point here, folks, part of my point, if you haven't figured this out, is that these problems that you're having with your children, your children are argumentative, ungrateful, disrespectful, demanding, they yell at you, they call you names, etc., etc., they don't obey. It's your fault. It has nothing to do with your child. And the proof of that is that your child doesn't behave that way with certain other adults. All right, statement number 18, one of my children cannot take no for an answer. Why is that? Because when he gets upset at a no, you often change it to yes. And by the way, you only have to change one out of every 10 no's to yes for your child to continue to be unable to take no for an answer. Statement number 19, we're getting to the end. I feel guilty about sometimes wanting my children to leave me alone. And statement number 20, I must be doing something wrong. Okay, here we go. Um, this is the, uh, the, the scoring part of this now. If you answered true to between zero and five questions, you're okay. You're okay. Just stay calm and stay the course. If you answered true to between six and ten questions inclusive, you are shaky 
but you're, you're hanging in there okay. If you answered true to between 11 and 15 questions, your parenting mental health is beyond borderline, it's over the edge. If you answered true to more than 15 questions, you are a certified parenting wreck. I I hate to tell you that, but you are. If you answered true to more than 15 questions, you are a certified parenting wreck. You need a live-in parenting expert, a parent nanny, if you will. Call me. Anything is negotiable. Thanks for joining the show, folks. I'll be here next week on American Family Radio. Same time, same station.